Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. This is a part of a four-part series that honestly came about from Jeremy Miller. He's our VP and Director of Marketing. He had keynoted and was able to meet some awesome individuals at the Unleash Festival in Madrid, Spain. And as he got into some great conversations, he was telling people about the podcast and the mission and vision of the Started Up Foundation, and he has found us some all-stars. So I hope you enjoy this November four-part series. Again, thank you, Jeremy Miller, for going out and finding such awesome guests. I hope you enjoy. All right, now we're joined by Robert Fratella. Robert, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. It's great to be here. All right, so we've been doing a series, really, on all the people Jeremy's met at the uh, awesome conference he went to in Spain, and uh, he got back and he had like a, a list of people that we just had to connect with because they were awesome. And uh, you're obviously on that list. Oh yeah, uh, Jeremy, you want to jump in this? Yeah, dude, Robert. Well, first of all, I just want to say it's so nice to be talking with you again. Really enjoyed sharing the stage with you um, in Spain, and then getting to connect with you. Uh, and I'm excited just to kind of dive into your story, man, and just kind of unpack just some of the really cool things that you're going after and some of the reasons why you're doing it. Um, so I appreciate you spending this time with us. Yeah, it's amazing to get the chance to speak with y'all. Awesome. So, um, yeah, reading over your bio, especially the, the, you know, what you're doing with artificial intelligence and, and, you know, brain research, it's pretty incredible before we get into the accolades and what you're doing, give us a little backstory on how you got there. I mean, when was, you know, when did you start looking into working with, you know, AI and, and, you know, where did you start learning? Sure. So when I chose, when I went to college, um, I really couldn't pick between uh, majoring in biology or computer science. So I just ended up doing both. Um, and as I gone through various courses, I never really thought too much about AI. I wasn't well-versed in it at all. I was still learning uh, the basics back then. But as, as the years progressed, and you know the challenges get more and more difficult. I came across an opportunity at the Montreal Neurological Institute where I was able to volunteer with a brilliant uh, computer scientist and biomedical engineer who basically gave me the project of, you know, if you're willing, let's, let's try to segment some brains um, using, uh, using uh, artificial intelligence or uh, deep learning. And at that point, those were just words. I was just like, what does that mean? <laughs> and um, you know, so we can do that or a slightly easier project. So I was just like, no, let's, let's go with the hard one. We'll, we'll figure it out as we go. Um, and as I really started to dig into documentation and uh, some of the theory behind it, I really started to get to grasp it. It took me uh, some time to really understand it. But after, after a few months of that, I, it was the first time that I had actually something working and working well. And that's when I really, something just clicked something just clicked for me. And I was like, I, I need to know more about this. And so I dedicated a lot more, a lot more time within my coursework to understand some of the, you know, the, the math behind it, some of the computer science th uh, theories behind it all. And I just, you know, kept going down that path and started, and I love the project aspect to it. So I found as many different applications of it as possible. and I got myself involved. Robert, that's so awesome. I appreciate you on that. So, you know, you're, you're like going after like two really big, like conversation pieces, right? You know, AI and mental health. And there's kind of like a lot that we can unpack and a lot that we can talk about. But um, dude, 
talk to me a little about like why you like if if you guys set out to accomplish what you guys accomplish and if per our conversation that we had you guys are having great progress you've got a lot of great team of volunteers that we can talk about that and, and you're doing some really cool things but assuming you guys set out to accomplish what you guys accomplish which is building and we can get into the details but helping this technology to help teach doctors prescribe and diagnose mental health um why you you know talk to me a little bit about like your passion and and why you believe like you know this is something that you want to make the sacrifices that you're making and and just kind of go into like your why about why like why you're doing this so it really came to the realization when i met with some of my co-founders and we we were discussing different sort of projects that we can tackle as part of the the ibm watson AIX prize which mm-hmm. is like an ai for good and we were looking at the options that we had ahead of us. And, you know, when, when it was pitched that, you know, why don't we take a look at, at depression and take a look at the, take a hard look at those numbers, see how many people are affected by it. Mm. And, you know, we were, we were blown away. It was, uh, it was in- incredibly impactful for us to see just that level of of, of damage that, that it can do and just the, the lack of, of possible options that people going through that right now have. And, you know, it's the, the leading disability of, you know, a, a burden of, of uh, insurers right now. And it's, it's not like you, you know, if you get injured, uh, you know, physically, if you, you know, break an arm or break a bone or something like that, you can take some sick leave and you, it takes some time to, to recover. Um, but when people go through tri- Depression when they're clinically depressed, it can take you know months or years before they get better, um, and it just hurts and impacts everyone around them. And it's incredibly challenging, especially knowing that um, you know we just don't have the tools right now to help them. Mm. And we're like you know we have to we have to try to do something uh, no matter what it takes. And so we you know we started up the project and we just kept going. I I had an idea of how we can do it from the technological aspect. And bringing in people from business, from uh, research, from science, from neuroscience, trying to because this isn't this isn't the problem that any one engineer can fix, or it's uh, a collaboration of sure. so many different disciplines coming together to try to solve this. So I saw this as a perfect opportunity, especially right now, um, with AI trying to get into more medicine, more health applications, uh, but doing it ethically and uh, of sound mind and trying to make a difference and so that's what really was the fire underneath us that that kept kept us going through through thick and thin mm. robert that's huge you know you you know my story don knows my story a lot of listeners they know my story i just you're super appreciative of this of what you're trying to go after because you're right i mean you know some people can be affected by certain things and that can be affecting them for many many years and that can lead into many other things so what you're what the issues that you guys are tackling are amazing and so revolutionary. So that's awesome. You mentioned something, you know, kind of starting out that AI for good. And, and I love that. And there's a lot of perspectives and colliding perspectives out there in the world about AI and the future and everything. Um, well, based on your experience and the people and the experts and you know, all the great experiences you've been developing in, in AI, can you like enlighten us a little bit about you, know, maybe some of the teachers who's listening or us about like how AI can, you know, not just be, you know, the typical, you know, take away jobs and whatever, which you know, there's some truth in that, but perhaps, but also like how AI can be this additive tool, the supplementary tool or technology that can really enhance um, all of our lives. Listen, we're, we're really far away from what generally people are thinking about AI and, you know, taking away, um, you know, certain opportunities. But right now AI is very good at doing a very, spe- very specific task. Mm. So 
it's all about problem statements. So, you know, I'm going to set out to build something that can play chess. Like, sure, it can play chess, but it doesn't understand the social relations between the people playing chess. It just knows that this is this. And then you ask it, you know, how, you know, what's the volume of the ocean? It's, it's going to have no clue. Uh, so it's very specific to what is what you tell it to do. Mm. And so people should use it. At, it's, it's a tool more than anything. People should use it as, okay, I have a problem. Is this a potential solution that I can use to, to help make it better? Mm. Um, yeah, so whether it's, you know, summarizing documents or, you know, trying to find the best treatment for someone uh, suffering from depression, um, there are a variety of ways that we can leverage this uh, modern day uh, technology to, to address some of these uh, critical issues. Yeah, it's it's one of the things that's uh, near and dear to my heart is, you know, the tool versus a crutch. Uh, you know, I, I've seen technology. Yeah, technology is a tool, but it's also a crutch. It just depends on how you use it. Like, I always at times I felt guilty because I was really promoting social media use for students to showcase what they can do and showcase how they can collaborate. The sad thing is, Social media has also been used way too much as a crutch of, I don't feel like going out. I'll socialize here. I don't like my life. My abs don't look like that. I'm not in Maui. Why don't I have that watch, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, I, I think that we need to hold up more work of what you're doing mm. on some AI work that's going to push us forward as, in, as opposed to, you know, Terminator, <laughs> as in, you know, all the, all the doom and gloom. And, and by the way, you know, this is the thing that scares me though, Robert, is that are we going to have mass job loss because of uh, you know AI and automation? Of course we are. But like, name me a time in history where we haven't out-innovated ourselves out of work. The hope is, I mean, we, we don't deliver coal anymore. You know, we, there, there's no horse and buggy. Well, actually, there are some horse and buggy drivers downtown. Every nice, every, well, in every nice city, there's a yeah. horse and buggy. Um, but like, you know, the the hope is, though, is that we look for opportunities on what's yet to come. And I think that, that that's where it's exciting is that I don't think that people were starting to think, you know, let's use artificial intelligence to make people less depressed or find, you know, new pathways and stuff. Like this. So that, that's that's good. I, I, I want to showcase your more of your work. But what would you tell people? Um, that are looking at automation, AI, as in this is the end. You know, we're all, we're all going to be uh, overlorded by uh, <laughs> IBM Watson. <laughs> we're a long way away from that. Um, but to that I say, you know, looking, you know, throughout history, history tends to repeat itself. And so as mm. we've gone through, you know, the Industrial Revolution and all the various different eras, you know, back when, you know, manufacturing, most, a lot of it has been automated, we still find even more jobs to replace those that we have never thought of before. So even when you get into, you know, self-driving cars or self-driving trucks and things like that, there's always going to be something new uh, that we, a new opportunity that's never shown itself before. And that's what I think is going to happen is more, more, more menial tasks. So AI is going to be taking a lot of those menial tasks and it's going to free up a lot more creative thinking and, and creative process uh, for people to really showcase their, uh, their humanity. Mm. Um, and I think those are going to be a lot, lot more uh, prevalent uh, going in, into the future. Mm. I, I love that. You know, Robert, you mentioned that what 
you know, what AFRIS is going, you know, going out there trying to accomplish is a collaborative effort, which A, I love the humility in that. And I love that leadership perspective. But, you know, I know you talked about in Spain, how you've got a big team of volunteers and a lot of people who are really passionate about um, what you guys are building and what you guys are doing. So can you talk a little about how yeah. you've been able to pull people together on your vision and the progress that you've had with that? Actually, let's, let's actually take two steps back and like completely understand all of what you guys yes. do. Because we like talked yes. about the why. Yes. So for you, like some people are like, what, what, what does right. it do? What we, do? We skip the why. Yeah, 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 yeah. How? Yeah. Sure. Uh, that's that's a great place to start. Uh, so what we do right now is provide, um, you know, a clinical decision support tool for psychiatrists and general practitioners and, you know, doc general, the tools they need to be more comfortable in treating patients suffering from depression. So we're starting off with depression, uh, but we are hoping to move into other areas within mental illness. So we are building uh, uh, AI tools uh, wrapped around uh, software as a service applications mm. that both doctors and their corresponding patients can use in tandem with one another to work together so that, you know, to get, to get their patients uh, better, faster. That's, so that's in a nutshell what we do. Yeah, yeah no, that's amazing. I, I appreciate sharing that. So, so to the team structure and, you know, all the people that you've been pulling together. So, you know, that vision that you've, that, that you've had, how have you been able to pull them together and get the, all these people to work on you know, this product that you guys are developing? That's a great question. Uh, so we started this project about, you know, two years and like 10 months ago, roughly. Okay. And when we started out, it was, we were still students. I was still in college at that time. And it was all about the, you know, the vision of the company and where we want to go. Do we have the, the right people for the job? And as we were you know, showcasing some our ideas and what we wanted to go, where we wanted to go, we just had a, a huge influx of, of individuals who were like super passionate about the project. You know, it's touched them or it's touched someone around them. And they're like, whatever, you know, uh, we'd get a lot of messages being, you know, this is uh, such a, an important problem to me. And is there anything that I can do that I can help? Mm. And so we work really closely with all those individuals who, who displayed interest in what we were doing. And we worked with them to see if we can find something within all of the different branches of the company to help push us forward. And so, of course, people had different um, uh, different engagements at the time. Sure. Uh, you know, whether they were in school, a lot of times they were students, or you know, they were a part time at a different uh, company or whatever it may be. They still were super passionate enough that they wanted to dedicate the, you know their evenings, their weekends to contributing to this project. And so, you know, we we worked very, uh, you know, very collaboratively in terms of, uh, you know, what times of day that we're working, whenever people were available, we, we found the great times of meeting and we were pretty decent at, at delegating work. Uh, you know, we've definitely made some mistakes in the past, sure. but definitely we were still, you know, stumbling forward until we really started picking up the pace and now we're sprinting forward. Um, and that's, that's essentially how, how we really got started. And now, you know, going through, um, you know, a pre-seed round and getting getting enough funding to actually be able to to bring people on to to have them have them super committed to the company is is wonderful. 
um, that we have this level of of commitment from the team to be able to accomplish this this goal. That that's huge, man. That that's amazing. So you know, Robert, I know you're from Montreal and you're living in Seattle, correctly, I believe. And I know you have your family literally all across the country. Um, but you know, you mentioned your fundraising. So what kind of barriers in terms of like communicating your your vision or communicating the AI for good type of thing do you have when you're talking with people? Like, do you have any? Like, do you have to do the whole argument around AI and then talk about fundraising for a company, or are you, have you been having some pretty good success with fundraising? Uh, we've been having some some pretty good successes, but it's it's all about um, you know bringing the the patient for letting 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 them be the spotlight. So it's not mm, like I love that. Um, not a, not about the you know the tools that that we're using, but it's really like sh- showcasing the patient at the middle of the center stage and being like, what is it? What is the best thing that we have right now available that we can help them? go through this experience much more smoothly and much better. And when we center it around the patient and also correspondingly the doctor, because, you know, the doctor doesn't, you know, wants to be able to help as many people as possible. And so those are the, the center of every, of everything that we're planning around, you know, keeping the customer at the center of everything Mm. and the discussion around, you know, AI as a tool. And these are some of the results that we've had in the past and going through different clinical trials to showcase, you know, not just we're saying that it's going to work, but actually showcasing it in the real world mm-hmm. that it is working. That's working currently. So that's yeah, yeah. So that's how that's how well we've been able to uh, to do that. That's huge. Medical is notoriously and rightfully so. In a lot of times, medical is notoriously slower moving. Uh, you mentioned clinical trials that takes time. Uh, I know, and not to sound like a really bad '80s movie, time is money, but like. How difficult is like seriously like the speed of technology and the speed of medicine and obviously medicine has to be very slow very deliberate because people's lives are up for you know in play so how have you guys found that sweet spot of wanting to move at the speed of AI and yet respect the process of medicine and research that's definitely a great question and uh, something that any company would tackle no matter how big or small is going through all these different regulatory controls uh, to make sure that what they're doing is, you know, ethical and uh, is safe um, for all all individuals involved. And especially once we get into AI-assisted um, uh, practice, then you you get into a field where there hasn't been that much um, that much exposure in and not. It's, it's still a, a new age of AI in medicine. And the regulators are still trying to figure out ways of, of being able to work together that in the past just doesn't apply anymore. It's very, at least very difficult. And it's, uh, it could potentially hamper uh, some of the AI developments. But they're, they're actively working and engaging with these uh, stakeholders to make sure that you know, the patients are getting the best, the doctors and the entire medical field is getting the absolute best of what, you know, modern technology has to offer. Mm. And in our experience, it's definitely been challenging, but ultimately, you know, you have to think that this, is this something that could potentially hurt someone? You have to make sure, you have to think of every single possible option. It's not like, um, you know, predicting if, you know, if this is a cat or a dog in this picture um, that has no... Uh, it's not, it, there's no potential to harm there. 
but when you're dealing with something that could potentially harm, you know, patients, repercussions. Yeah. Something that, you know, you have to be very careful. You have to, you have to test that as much as possible uh, because ultimately no matter how good, um, you know, an AI can be or a certain uh, modern approach can be, it can still hurt someone. And you have to think about how, you know, how we can mitigate that as much as possible before it turns into, you know, an epidemic. Right. So, you well, know, what are the fallback options and what is it that you do in, in an emergency scenario? Well, is there also, um, and I'm not trying to like bait you into like, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> uh, but like, is there a certain skepticism from people that, you know, you're, you're blending technology with medicine or are most people been pretty, you know, good about it? That's a great question. And so, you know, when we started this out, we thought that people would be have quite a few reservations about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as we were actually doing, you know, market research and speaking to psychiatrists and doctors, and when we showcase, you know, this is what it can do, this is how it can help you, you know, treat your patients better. They were very enthusiastic. We had a lot of people super enthusiastic about, you know, yes, I, I genuinely think this can help me uh, be more comfortable because a lot of times you'll have like a, a GP general, uh, you know, general practitioner who would receive a patient who has, uh, who has been clinically depressed and is looking for treatments. And oftentimes, they, they just maybe haven't received the level of training that a psychiatrist would have, for instance, mm-hmm. and they would then defer to a psychiatrist. And that also takes time. And so what if we can also help you know, GPs at the same level as psychiatrists so that they can then be comfortable again in yeah, you know, providing some of these treatments? So the patient doesn't have to wait throughout all this process, but rather empower the doctor to be that, more in, yes, in, that. Giving, in giving these treatments. Well, I mean, I, I know so my wife's a nurse practitioner and, and she's seen more and more um, basically video visits. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, there's some things like, we're just going to have to see you. And, and by the way, she like, she hasn't crossed over yet, but she, she's definitely got some uh, colleagues that, that have. And there are so many things that now they can like literally hear a few things and say 90% chance you have this. And obviously even those decisions are going to be automated because there's a certain, there's so many things that, you know, are, are so similar that like high, high likelihood that you have the flu or high, high likelihood that you have an ingrown toenail. Um, but on, on obviously some of those things that you do need a level of like, no, you have to be here in person. That's fine. Because we talk about a clogged healthcare system. You know, when you can, like when the vast majority of people, you know exactly what you have and you just need a remedy or you need, uh, you know, a, a, something that can be dispensed quickly, that's freeing up the more critical situations. And so that's, that's what I love. That's what I'm hoping more of your guys' story will get out. And one of the reasons why I was looking forward to this interview is because, that to me is where the trust is. Like there, there, there's just so many redundancies and and med that it, let, let's clear the board on the stuff that's really obvious. And not to say that they're not important, they are. But you know, a cold is a cold is a cold, and an ingrown toenail is an ingrown toenail. And I'm I know I'm super simplifying this, but and and obviously you're more on the brain research side and and, and depression. But you know, the the AI expediency really excites me to pave the way for a little bit more dependent care on those who really need that second deeper level. Yeah, and just to to piggyback off of that, what's incredibly important right now is, you know, people generally, you know, throughout our research and people in the industry are finding this, is that when 
people are, you know, clinically, you know, diagnosed at, with depression, that's sort of an umbrella term right now. There's actually mm. like, we, you know, we're yeah. thinking that there's many different types within it. And it's not like, you know, when you get into personalized treatments, it, every person is different. Everyone right. has a different story. Everyone has, uh, you know, so many different, different values about them, different features about them, very multidimensional beings that it's very difficult to, to have everyone underneath the same umbrella. And so what this does is in this age of, you know, data collection and having so much data available that it often becomes very difficult for an individual mm-hmm. to be able to look through all those charts and all those graphs yeah. and correlate them together to be like, okay, this is the right treatment for you. Well, why don't we use the, you know, computers that are designed to process data super fast and lots of it at that. So let's let's use their capabilities to help summarize the information um, in a human readable format so that the doctors can take all that information and provide this personalized care that everyone wants. That's huge. Robert, um, to switch gears potentially a little bit, what is one thing that you're really excited for, whether it's a new hire or a new market that you guys got in after, a new product development or something maybe personal with your life? What, what's one thing that you're just really excited for that's coming up and then why? Hmm, that's a, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, so for us, we have, sorry, in terms of the, the company or just myself in general? Both, yeah. Both. Either one. <laughs> Either one. What am I super excited for? I'm, you know, we, we, we recently took on some, some, new, uh, some new individuals within the company, and I'm just so excited to see with so many people contributing to the project, such mm. uh, you know, experts in their industry contributing to this to try to tackle this. It's become, you know, more and more plausible each day as we go by. And I'm just super excited to see that, you know, when we started this, you know, uh, you know, so many couple of years ago, it's, I never would have thought that we've been able to, you know, to, to get this far. And it's, mm-hmm. it's every day seeing all these wonderful individuals around me. It's, it's all about, you know, relationships and, and building those relationships. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the most important part of the company is the, the people who, you know, who operate it I and love the, that. All the people inside of it. And just seeing how all these passionate people are, banding together to try to tackle this solution uh, this problem sorry it's that's that's sort of that's what excites me is that every day you know we have you know we have high highs and low lows but ultimately we're all still working together to try to solve this and and really what excites me is this ability to learn from others and mm. um and really showcasing this this level of growth mindset to really you know challenge your own assumptions and get people to question everything that you're saying, but in a way that's, you know, respectful and, and helpful that, that gets you to, you know, you're empowering yourself so you can empower others too. Let mm-hmm. me, let me, it's let me either. I, so I love that. And here's my fear and here's my hope. My fear is, is because, and, and I'm not trying to set a trap for you. I promise <laughs> you. My fear no is, and it's not really the AI work that you're doing, but my fear is a lot of things people feel like a lot of decisions are being made for them. And so the dumbing down of the world has begun. I had an interview uh, once with an IOT expert. Actually, he's a local guy, John McDonald. And um, this was his hope. He said, how how long do you think it uh, it took, um, is traditionally a woman in 1880 to make 
two meals. It took her all day hmm. to create two meals. Now, what can a woman now do in that amount of time? A lot of things. The, it's the what you do at that time. So I, I think that my my fear is, is that a lot of artificial intelligence is going to take away our ability to ironically think. When in reality, my hope is we can now think about greater problems. We can now use data that we're getting to solve bigger issues instead of just turning off and wondering what our favorite celebrity said today. That is what's driving me nuts because I see such wonderful technology coming out. And the best thing we can do is get controlled by an algorithm on one of the social media platforms. That's like, hooray for you and what you're trying to do. And please, let's educate more people on what can be done on great artificial intelligence, on great machine learning, instead of what we are all starting to fall for. Soapbox the moment over. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a really great question. But um, there there are so many different opportunities. I can't I can't even think of all of them. Mm. Where just just thinking at, at least for myself, um, you know, thinking about you know issues that are very, you know, personal to an individual is just thinking, you know, what is it that you take granted, you know, for granted every day as you, you know, go through your day-to-day activities? And, you know, is any part of that super, super menial? Like if you have to do it more than once, um, is there something about your process that, that you think you can automate yourself Mm. so that you can spend more time, you can free up that time to, do something that's, else. So it's not even thinking about. That's really cool. Yeah. Of, of Go thinking. deeper on that. I like that. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. So, you know, we think AI is just another tool to automate, but if mm-hmm. we abstract a little bit higher in terms of automation in general, it, we have, you know, we have calendars. So you, you don't have to bother with, you know, thinking about what do I have to do next? You just have something tell you what, what's going to happen next, but you set that up yourself. You're sort of, you know, mm life hacking it's i don't like that term very much but um <laughs> right you're you're you free up your mind from having to remember all these various uh, nitpicky things to do something more creative i don't know whether that's um you know uh, making a, a videos uh you know blogs vlogs uh more creative aspects or if you're in you know computer science software engineering if you want it gives you a chance to build something that you've You've always wanted to build, but just never had the chance to. And it's just this idea of looking at what do you, where do you spend most of your time on, and seeing is there a way that I can, that I can free up that time by finding some sort of way to to automate that process. Mm. And I think just by looking at that, you know, people people will say, you know, I don't have the time, I don't have the time um, to to do something. Well, you know, you just have to make a, a priority uh, for yourself. Um, and if you, let's say, you know, you're trying to, you know, go to the gym, but you say you don't have time, just, just like throw it in your calendar and, ha- and have it as a reminder to, mm. that if you yeah. already block that time out, then nothing can take up that time. And so you've already freed yourself from that, that first block, blocker of having to, you know, get up out of bed, let's say, and then go to the gym in the morning. Um, and so you can, you can take that example and you can run with it to, you know, for, whatever it is that you've always been telling yourself you would like to do, but just never had the chance to. Mm. Um, and I think, and just tying it all the way back to, to artificial intelligence is thinking, you know, what is a process that you've been, whether, you know, fine tuning by hand um, or something that you just need help with to, to look at a bunch of data. And, you know, that's where, 
you know, machine learning and deep learning AI can come into play as a tool to help you get through that. And so it's, it's this mindset of, of trying to automate to free up your time mm. for things that you like to do. I love that. Robert, you're, you know, you're intelligent, you have empathy, you're humble, and so you got a lot of good things going for you, right? So, and this is one of the, this question- We're saying all the nice things for you. Yeah, right. (laughs) This question that I'm about to ask is like one of my most despised questions when someone else asks me, because it's just so hard to fathom, but where do you see yourself in AFREED in five years? In five years, um, I'm hoping that we, are actively, you know, when we look at the metrics, it, it often takes a while for uh, treatments to, to really, for them to work before we see them work. But once we get through clinical trials and see them in the hands of doctors and patients and seeing the metrics, you know, faster care, uh, doctors getting through more people, we're actively engaging with them and, and help save lives. I think that's, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, and really, really bring this awesome technology on a global scale. Mm. Um, so that's that's where I see us going. Yeah. I, I, I'm super I, excited about that. I, I think that's huge, man. You know, that's that's super exciting. You know, we've got a lot of like you know teachers who are listening to this podcast. A lot of younger people potentially starting their own startups, their own entrepreneurial ventures. Um, for someone who's you, you're in your twenty, is that right? Twenty. Um, twenty three right now. Oh, yeah. Okay, twenty three. Um, what advice, like, 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 what would you say to someone else who, you know, they're starting out pretty young, whether it's in, a, in the field of medicinal and AI, where there's a lot of re- regulation, a lot of barriers, maybe a lot of things to potentially overcome, or just in general, what would you kind of say to them about starting, you know, having that courage and just starting out? You know, you mentioned you, you were talking to your founders and you guys kind of had two ideas, one bigger, kind of harder idea, and then one kind of simpler idea. And I don't know if it was you or your founder or just kind of a, a, a group thought of like, well, let's just go after the, you know, the harder thing, the bigger thing. So what kind of wind did that courage? And then what would you say to someone else who'd want to start out? So if I was to, you know, say something to my younger self, right. It would be, you know, prioritize growth over comfort. Mm. And it's, a, it's mm. such a, it's very easy to say and very hard to do in practice. Um, right. So especially when it comes to, you know, building a company, like there's so many things you don't know and there's things you don't know, you don't know. And it's, it's all about having that, that mindset that, you know, whatever comes my way, I know I'll be able to figure it out. You know, don't think about what's the, you know, what's the worst that can happen. Just think about what's the best that can happen. And I think if I had that mindset, I would have uh, been a lot more entrepreneurial um, uh, when I was younger to take on some of these challenging projects, you know, uh, especially when I was in school and it came, uh, the time came for, uh, presenting speeches and I was always the one who would be, <laughs> nope, not me, <laughs> but, but, but now in, in, in retrospect, I think that if, if I realized or if someone had told me that, you know, it's going to take you really far if in your own sense, you know, you're prioritizing this level of put, put yourself in opportunities that scare you yeah. um, and that make you uncomfortable. And you will, you will grow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, I mean, there's that old adage of, you know, if you keep a goldfish in a, it grows to the size of its tank. So if you right. keep it in a small tank, it's going to stay small. But as soon as you put it out in the pond, it's going to grow much bigger than that. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's sort of how I've been thinking about it. And that's probably the, the most impactful um, advice that I would give to my younger self. Um, 
is, is, you know, when something makes you uncomfortable, re realize, sort of look, look at yourself and, and think, be a lot more self introspective and be like, you know, why is this making me feel this way? Is mm -hmm. it because I've never done it before? And really try to dig it, dig deep into your own feelings and see that it's just, you know, it's your body reacting towards, you know, kicking off yeah, that fight or flight that. response. Oh shoot. Sorry. No worries. <laughs> um, you know, it's your body kicking off that fight or flight response. And it's really just because you've never done it before and makes you uncomfortable. But once you've gone through that experience, you've, you've grown. Um, and just having that over, over the years, you will grow much faster. Right. Doing so. Okay, Robert, you know, if there's someone listening to this podcast right now, they've heard your story, they've heard these things that you're going after, what they want to reach out to you, they have questions, they want to help you, they want to get involved somehow. How can they find you? How can they reach out to you? So we have a, a website right now and uh, there's a, a contact with it. So if you go to www.afred and that is spelled A-I-Fredhealth.com, uh, there, there is a contact form at the bottom. Feel free to, uh, you know, share with us um, whatever it is that you'd like to share with us and uh, it'll provide your email there and we'll be able to, to get back to you. Um, or if you're just interested to, uh, you know, to, to, you know, share your story or whatever it may be. That's, that's probably the, the easiest way to contact us. Awesome. Or if you find me on my, you know, Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever it may be, also feel free to reach out. What is your Twitter? Uh, Twitter, it's just uh, Robert underscore underscore Fratilla. I was going to say, there's two underscores. I just learned that. Yeah. I just, as we were talking and having this podcast, I had to, because yeah. like Jeremy had this intense look in his face, like, dang, that's cool. So I took a picture of the computer screen and Jeremy. So yeah, I just learned it's two underscores. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. we'll have all the, we'll definitely have all the links um, after, you know, when we post the podcast, but I, I just want to, you know, Jeremy and I both want to tip our hats. I mean, um, to be this young and driven and also have the skill level to start working on what you're working on is, is inspirational and uh, the world needs it and uh, continued success because uh, we are seriously um, wanting to encourage our, our young innovators and clearly you're at the, the top level. So thank you so, so much for being on the show. Wow. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's a Thanks, pleasure. Jim. We appreciate you.